Hello and welcome to Your Sparkly Brand. We're here to inspire and empower female entrepreneurs just like you. This podcast is all about delivering no fluff, high value content that helps you to grow your business. doesn't matter if you have no budget and are still DIYing everything on your own. We're giving you the tips, tools, and strategies you need to build a sparkly empire. I'm Megan Gersh, your resident brand designer and web designer. I'm here with my co-host and copywriting queen, Lauren Tassi. Hey Lauren, how's it going? Hey Megan, I'm great. How are you? Doing well. I am so excited to introduce introduce you to our guest today. This is Carrie Severson. She's an author and the chief executive officer of the Unapologetic Voice House, a hybrid book publishing business. She's been in the storytelling industry for nearly 25 years. She started the Unapologetic Voice House in 2019 after spending years pitching literary agents in the hopes of being published traditionally. All her rejection letters from literary agents came down to one thing. They all loved her work. They all compared her work to well-known authors, but because she didn't have a big enough platform, agents always passed on her. Carrie used that pivot in life and launched a company that could help women just like her, unapologetic in their stories without a massive following. The exciting thing is that Carrie has a brand new book. It's sparkly and it's coming out today, the day this <laughs> podcast is being released. Yay. So we're going to talk about it, but we're just going to go ahead and plug it right now. If you're interested, go to the link in the show notes. We'll have the link to go buy it there. Welcome to your sparkly brand, Carrie. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, sparkly. It's totally a fit. I appreciate it. Yeah. So Carrie, so before we jump into your story, we like to kick things off on the podcast by sharing what we call our sparkly moment of the week, which is basically just just like a little win or a celebration or something that kind of made you feel sparkly this week. So Lauren, do you have a moment that you want to share? Yeah, mine actually is like my sparkly moment of the last few hours. I was talking to uh, my mentor this morning a little bit and she kind of got me inspired to like, you know, change things up a little bit and really create it around what I want my life to be. So I'm like re-inspired about my business as of the past few hours. What about you, Meg? So mine has been kind of building over the last kind of week or so, but I have a video on TikTok that is about to hit 3 million. So yeah, that's like the highest amount of views that I've ever got on one video. So like, yeah, that's making me feel a little sparkly. I feel like looking at it right now, but I'll wait. And Carrie, do you have one that you want to share? Sure. So I've been in communication with a month monthly self-care subscription service that sends out boxes to subscribers and they're including unapologetically enough in one of their upcoming boxes. It'll go out to about a thousand subscribers. And that is super sparkly. I'm very excited about it. And it came about because I pitched them. So I put it out there and I love that. I love manifesting really big opportunities. And so that's mine. That's like the best when you like just put something out there and you like get what you want. I love it. All right. So let's get into it. Carrie, why don't you start by telling us about your journey? How'd you come to start your business? So I became an entrepreneur a long time ago, like, I don't know, 2011. And that actually kickstarted how I ended up here. The initial business I had, it was a nonprofit. It was a bullying solutions organization for girls and talk about sparkles. We use crafts and everything we did. And so there was legit, like I would come home with like glitter bombs everywhere. My car was like a glitter fest. My parents' like guest room had glitter all over it. And so we gave girls an opportunity to express themselves so that they could share their stories with other girls. And we helped them understand empathy and communication skills. And it caught on fire because bullying, girl and girl bullying in 2011, 2012, 2013 was like at its peak for national news. And my little organization headquartered here in Arizona just caught on fire. And I was talking to everyone from like, you know, producers at USA Today to Glamour Magazine to 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of opportunities for speaking and it became overwhelming and I burned out. I didn't have the infrastructure in place to be able to handle mass growth, but that's what we were facing. So I actually went back to my roots of storytelling in like 2014, 2015, started writing for national women's outlets, started writing this book, pitching literary agents and did that for about five years and was constantly told, man, this work is so great. Reminds me of Darren Greatly. It reminds me of Spirit Junkie. It reminds me of Eat, Pray, Love, but you don't have a million followers, even a hundred thousand followers I have to pass. And it got to the point where I saw the same three names on most of my rejection letters in terms of like celebrity authors. I would get like phone calls from agents. One woman was like, it kills me to do this. So there was like a long pause. And she's like, yeah, I can't, I can't. Like she was trying to talk herself into it while I'm on the phone with her. And so I just decided I was going to start. Actually, I didn't decide. I woke up one morning. I'm highly intuitive. Believe that part of my actual like legit sparkle is being able to have like a, a clear consciousness or connection with my intuition and channeling that jazz in. And I woke up one morning and I heard be the house. I like popped myself out of bed. Have you ever seen those people like do those kip jumps where it's like you're on the ground and suddenly you're like, you're standing. I did that from bed. I was like, damn. So I stood up and I was legitimately like, no F you, I'm not doing this. I was just in like a new relationship. My experience with launching businesses when I feel guided is overwhelmed, burnout. This is something you're called and created to do. And if it felt, if it was like a mission, it, I knew it was going to be big. It took me about nine months to accept, okay, this is my next phase. This makes sense. I can't get picked up by an agent. Back then, everyone was comparing me to big wigs and no one was going to take a chance on me. So it felt like the next best thing to do would be to create a hybrid house, find a distribution partner and start helping other women print their books, publish their books, be out there in the forefront, sharing their stories. And so that started in 2019. And I think we've published, I know we're probably 35 by now. My book, unapologetically enough, was the reason the whole thing started, but I didn't feel called to publish it until late 2020. And I honestly think I had to go through some of COVID. I had to like go through my wedding being postponed five times. I had to go through my, you know, like all of the stuff everyone went through in order to practice some of the things that I have in the book, come to terms with it really being solid. And part of my journey is talking about burnout and, you know, burnout is a legit thing around the world now because of the pandemic. And so I believe everything sort of happened for divine timing and the reason, you know, it happened for a reason, but that's how I launched my business. And that's how I got to launch my book. I love that. that I feel like that's so inspiring just to be able to bounce back from all that, all of that type of rejection and be able to start your business. Is there any advice that you could give on how we can all try to like practice practice that a bit more to embrace that because obviously we all go through rejection at different points in our business, in our life. So any advice on like how to start embracing that a bit more? Yeah, for sure. It takes time and it takes courage and it actually does take a little bit of grace to receive a no and then have it sort of hang in front of you as like, this isn't the final, this isn't the end. This is just part of my story. It's not the story. And I think we do that a lot as women. I think we do that a lot as entrepreneurs. It's almost like it's a constant, I hate to use the word test, but for me, it looking back at it, there is a, a bit of resilience. There's a lot of resilience that comes with this. So my biggest thing is always my intuition. It was always, my, was always like, a, should I keep pitching? Should I move forward? Should I go down a different direction and finding that almost like internal GPS system is something that I don't think can be overstated, especially for entrepreneurship, just, just starting out in a business, figuring out your own unique 
path versus following somebody else's path or being told stopping when you're being told no is I think the secret to everyone's success. I love that. That's great. So as a writer, I love when people like have a word, like they find their word. And obviously for you, it's unapologetic. Apologetic. Like, how did you come to that? Like, what does that specifically mean to you? Well, so when I was little, I was bullied. I've been like five, nine and like curvy my whole life. And it was always too much for people. Like I didn't fit in. There was no one in the media that I could ever turn to. I said it the other day that like the ladies that played the facts of life, those ladies that were like probably 30 when they were playing 18 year olds, those were the people that I felt looked like me because they were the only folks, right? There was nobody. So I felt very isolated and alone when I was growing up. And then I've been told that like I share too much. I, there was always this thing that was too much for people. When I started dating, I've dated a lot in my twenties and my thirties, but it was when I got into my mid thirties, it was very much like, how come you haven't been married and have kids before? And I felt like I was constantly defending my journey, who I am. And when I turned 40, something clicked inside of me where it was very much like, you know what? F this. I'm done apologizing. I can't change who I am based on like my past experience and the decisions I've made. And I'm not going to defend it anymore. So this is who I am. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to be who I want to be, like it or leave it. I'm unapologetic in this. And that's stuck. I love that. I feel like, especially if you're running a business, like growing up with like all of these, I don't know. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have like this kind of story where like they have like this upbringing where it's like it's tough in some ways and stuff like that and like they just decide one day that it's like all right this is who I'm going to be like you know screw everybody else like this is what I'm gonna do and like it's just so interesting and like it's inspiring to hear that story yeah I appreciate that. It, I mean, there's times where I'm still, my coach calls it a wobble where I'm not wobbly when I'm writing. I'm not wobbly when I'm doing this. I'm wobbly when I have to go out and explore new territory, like asking for advanced readers, having them review my book, coming back and actually asking for a testimony or an endorsement, like all those what ifs start coming up. Right. So it's a constant, especially around unapologetically enough that the phrase of that together is like <laughs> uniquely me to my DNA in my life. But I feel a lot of, I think a lot of women can relate to that, but it is an uncovering all the time of making sure I'm constantly checking in, constantly coming back to my truth and making commitments to myself outside everybody else, even my husband, which feels really weird where I'm like, you know, I spent eight years working on this come this summer. It's me time. I I'm putting this above everything else. And so that feels really weird, but it's so fun to do. That's awesome. So I know that burnout, both personally and professionally was a big challenge for you. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned from that experience? My biggest takeaway was really understanding the difference between my feminine energy and my masculine energy, the doing and the being. And it feels weird to say, I think it might be that doing versus being might be overused, but it really is true. It's the understanding that I can be an energy and I can do things and I can be a different energy and I can do the same things. And I would have two different responses. So when I wake up in a tizzy and I'm like, I got a hundred things to do and I got a blah, 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 blah. And I don't take a shower until two in the afternoon or, you know, slow down and eat. All I've done is just push stuff forward. But when I wake up and I check with myself and I meditate, even if it's for like five minutes, I say a little prayer. I think it's something I'm grateful for. And I do those same things. I feel better. I think the results are different. And I don't go to bed that night resentful and angry that I'm spent. Honestly, that's the biggest thing. And I think we can do that as business leaders. I think we can do that as moms. I think we 
we do that as partners. It doesn't it doesn't matter what your what task or for what purpose. It's legitimately an energy in the way that we do it that shifts for me. I love that you brought that up because I feel like the feminine versus masculine energy thing comes up a lot on the podcast. I think specifically because like business is such a has so much masculine energy to it and it's supposed to be like do your to-do list and you know send your emails and all of that where as women especially in sort of a masculine world or what has typically been a masculine world we have to remember that like we are innately meant to sort of receive and be totally. um, so I'm so glad you shared that you kind of like hit on my next question too but if there's anything else you want to add like what advice would you give to female entrepreneurs that are dealing with burnout or just sort of feeling that right now okay so for me the mass masculine energy and the doing was very attached to my ego. It was very much like the whole purpose of me recovering from my first bout of burnout was I wanted to redefine the concept of success for me because if I was only successful by with professional accolades or the number of times I was on TV or the people that I was talking to or the amount of money I was bringing in, I was constantly going to be in this rat race and that couldn't happen. I didn't think I would survive. So reshaping what success meant to me by how I felt each day was a light bulb. And that really shifted me from masculine to feminine. And every coach that I work with now, the one I'm working with now is phenomenal. She and I work on killing my ego on a constant basis, which is effing hard so that I can stay unattached to the outcome, stay unattached to any of the accolades that could or could not come in and just focus on my feminine energy, which is the creation energy. Because if I can create from this space, even as an entrepreneur, it's going out into the world with a very different force, very different energy. So now when I created the Unapologetic Voice House, the actual publishing house, I did it strong female force. Like our mission statement is like, we're a publishing house that is here to help women feel seen, heard and witnessed, which is, I think a lot of this kind of enoughness comes from the book. When I wrote the book, I wrote it from a very feminine space. Actually, I rewrote it three times from a masculine space. And then I did control alt delete and I did it all over again from a feminine where I, I sat and I created a creative container, an energetic container in my mind. I pretended that I was sitting at a pretty table. Rose gold is obviously really big for me. It has always been. I was sitting at a table, was filled with rolls, gold, really pretty things. And I invited the energy of the book to come forward and I would sit with it. I would talk to it. It became my imaginary friend. And that's how I started every writing session I had with the book. It's how I finished it. I don't think I ever gave it a name, but I, I had a, a sense for it. I actually, I pretended that it was like a really pretty fall day and we were going to create together. When I can create from feminine, magic happens. So I don't know if that answers your question about advice, but I think it's really important for anyone in the entrepreneur space to kind of understand the balance between the two. And not everything we create from a masculine perspective is going to land the same way as if we create it with a feminine energy. I really liked what you said about reshaping what success means for you, because I think that that's so important. I feel like I see like every other like video or post in my feed is like, oh, if you're not doing this and you're failing. And it's like those types of things to me are like such, masculine energy and like mm -hmm. very much like putting you in a box. Like if you're not checking this box, then you're just not, you don't have a great business, like blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I think that that's so important. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. I never felt, I mean, when I first started in the storytelling space, I did it online. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I just started joining all these Facebook groups and following all these things and launching challenges and three-day courses. And I was doing all the things that I saw all these other coaches doing and it didn't feel aligned. I didn't 
didn't know what else to do. So I just started going back to my roots and I was like, you know what? I'm really good at writing. I'm really good at storytelling. I can help you. I have experience in the media. I can help you figure out how to write an essay, where to pitch your essay. And so I kind of went off and did my own thing. I created my own way to success. And I I did it from a place of curiosity and let's see what can happen, you know, versus this force a hundred calls a day. I actually went to a conference once where someone was trying to teach us Pinterest and she had a spreadsheet that was color coordinated with like, I don't know, it literally looked like the color wheel that you see in Canva, a hundred different shades, posting every five minutes on all these different boards as your way to success. Went like, I don't understand a thing you're saying to me <laughs> and no, I can't do it. So yeah, yuck. You have to find your own way. Otherwise it won't work. Yeah. That is a quote of the day from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after all of the ups and downs that you've been through, how does it feel to finally have your book coming out? Like it must just be amazing. I'm so excited. And I mean, there's stuff in here about my body that I'm a little, I'm okay. I'm obviously okay with it because it's out. It's big and very, very, very vulnerable, vulnerable. It's the most personal thing I've ever written. My parents have read it. Everyone in my family has read it. And that was really like the band-aid where I'm like, if they can tell me honest feedback, then we'll be good. I'm grateful for the response so far. It's people are saying that it's like a mental health must have and that they can see themselves in the story. I'm really excited to see what happens with it. I think it's a really strong book for women right now in society. I'm excited. Yay. So what would you say to someone who's maybe like where you were eight years ago, like itching to write a book, has some ideas, like how do you even start? Writing a book is a marathon. I don't believe in the like going to a three-day retreat and coming home with one kind of thing. I think it's a tender project that you have to put a lot of time and energy into. That's my personal experience. I pray the next one isn't doesn't take eight years, but we'll see. That's something I have to work on soon. But so starting with an outline is always a great idea. That's a very tangible thing. Understanding what you want to say, who you want to say to. Start researching the marketplace. I think that's a big gap for a lot of people. They think that they've experienced something, they deserve to have it heard, and it's going to land strong in the marketplace. Not everything you go through needs to be in a book. There's a personal side to everything. There's a public side to things and understanding where it'll fit, I think is a really big opportunity. So when you want to write a book, I would start with those pieces and then let the content come forward. I think so many people do it backwards where they sit down and they just start typing and whatever comes out, comes out and they think that's their book. So this is an eight year project. Had I had it published in 2014 or 2015, I don't think it would have landed nearly as strong as I think it will because of what we've just come through. The way that feminine energy women overall are being talked about and burnout and the conversations that are prevalent today. There's a time and place for everything. And knowing your timing, I think has a lot to do with it. So now that the book is coming out, I kind of want to know more about what are you doing to market the book? How has branding impacted how you are working on those initiatives? Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm doing everything. So, all right. So publishing a book, people talk about having, you know, two months on them in the pre-sale process. I started with like six months in the pre-sale process. I had books printed and then I sent out probably a hundred advanced copies to individuals who could write reviews. I'm pitching celebrities and publicists and getting it in the hands of those types of folks, pitching subscription services, book clubs, using social media 
a lot. Writing book reviews really benefited from COVID because so many women just started sharing their reviews online versus trying to find big outlets for them. They were using their social media for it. So there's great opportunities there. I am doing that. So branding, I'm sticking to very, very similar. Burnout is obviously in everything I do. IVF is in a lot of what I do. So there's like two coins, everything, either professional burnout or personal burnout. So I have like pathways that I go down and I start to pitch, but the thing that bridges it is this concept of enough or enoughness. And so everything I do sort of is wrapped in that. When I talk about enoughness, I go back to my childhood where I talk about as a curvy girl, I was always compared to skinny girls. As a new entrepreneur, I was always compared to season ones. And as a new author compared to, you know, celebrity authors, the message of not being enough has been around for years. And this is my calling. This is my like battle cry as a response to it. And so messaging is pretty similar. It seems to be working. It seems to be landing and I'm doing it in a way that I think other women can identify with in terms of colors and stuff, everything in my life right now, I typically have blue nail polish. Like everything is these two colors, everything, my letterhead, I have stickers. It is, it like threw up pink and blue everywhere. I think I'm doing it right. So I'm kind of formulating half of a question in my brain that based on something you had said earlier in terms of like social media, maybe specifically, like I know you, you're, you're very empathic. You're very, you know, the intuitive side of things. How do you sort of, do you have like any, maybe it's not a tool, maybe it's a technique or a strategy you use to kind of like protect yourself from all of that. Like do you set limits? Do you have, what is your process for that look like? Yeah. I say a lot of prayers. I actually do a lot of staging. I, I think I've gotten pretty good at recognizing somebody else's story versus my story. So if I'm on a call with somebody and they're vocalizing disappointment in something, but it's, you know, for example, I want to send X amount of books to a book club, but they're only willing to pay element of P price. Is that something I really need? I really want? Am I being, you know, is it clear with me? Is it a clear decision I want to make? Is it my decision versus being influenced by somebody else? There's, I'm pretty good at that now. I actually need to like vocalize it with my coach, with my husband, something close to me who understands how I work. And then I'm able to move on pretty quickly after that. So when I was younger, I used to go through this whole thing where I would literally see myself in a rose gold bubble where only like love and light could get in. And now I forget that I should probably do that, but it's more like just being conscientious of decisions I'm making for my heart versus somebody else's influence on me. The rose gold bubble though, totally worked when I was younger. I should do that again. So powerful. I feel like that's a a definite skill that you, you know, when you're first starting a business, you might not have a total handle on that kind of, you know, that gut intuition and like follow it, really following what is the best for you. Because we, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, like when you're first starting, you need money and like, how are you going to pay your rent? And like, oh my God, you just quit your nine to five job. Like what's going to happen? There's a lot of like unknowns, but I feel like the more that you get into it, the more you kind of lean into that, like, oh, like, is this really what's best for me? Is this really, is this decision going to move my business forward? Is this really the right partnership? Yep. Yeah. Every time I said yes to a partnership that I felt when I, I get a gut feeling, I'm very heart centered. Right. And so if it, if it like tickles across my heart, or if I feel really excited up here and it's like butterflies, I know it's a really good decision. If I'm in my belly and it feels anxiety, I get tense in my, ugh, no. And I've said yes to a lot of those tense anxiety ridden moments. And they've always come back to bite me. 
So with this project specifically, I'm making sure that as clear as possible, I'm making some decisions that are from my heart, not influenced in the negative in any way. Makes sense. So if you could go back in time and tell your younger business self one thing, what would that be? Probably that to say no to the projects that you feel anxious about from the beginning, even if you need the money. What I've learned is that when I say no to the things that in the long run hurt me, stuff comes in to support me in random, magnificent, unique, beautiful ways. Like this morning, I got a call. I haven't said no to anything recently, but I got a call for, you know, great random opportunities that just fell into my lap. I think the more in tune you are with that piece and being okay with it and letting it go and just breathing through those really uncomfortable pieces, amazing things unfold for us. We just have to let it happen. And we're so scared to let it happen. I was just talking with my husband about this the other day, but like, I think kind of to go with that, one of the hardest and most uncomfortable things to get comfortable with is also to be okay in those not so busy moments. So like when your business is in a slow season or like you are, you know, prepping things behind the scenes. Maybe there's not a lot of like money-making activities actually happening, but there's obviously you're making things, you're building things behind the scenes to just be okay with that happening. You know, like it's one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn as an entrepreneur, but like the more that you get comfortable with it, you just trust like that trusting that things are going to happen. Things are coming in for you. Like you're planting the seeds right now that you know, are going to yeah. benefit you in the future. It's just that trusting that you are pushing forward in the right direction all the time. Yeah. Not filling it with stuff or the doingness or the, you know, I'm going to put everything on sale so I can. Yes. I did that all the time. It's a hard lesson to learn, but honestly, like has been one of the most beneficial lessons that I think like I personally have had to learn in my business. It's a good one. So what else is coming up? I mean, the book, obviously, but where are you going from here? What are you excited about? Let's see. Well, so I, I've given myself like the summer to promote it and I'm hosting workshops on the concept of enough. I will start working on book two. I feel like I'm probably in the story of book two. I kind of feel like it has been the last few years for me. I haven't, I just started to play with it and the energy of it this week of like, what do you want to say? What, where are you? And kind of letting that come forward for me. That'll probably be my next biggest project. The Unapologetic Voice House has a couple of books that are launching over the next several months. But honestly, I'm in the unknown, which is exciting. And I hope, you know, if you ask me in a couple months, I'm hoping that there's beautiful opportunities that I've prayed for. I've man, you know, like I've put out into space that come forward. I love that. And so Carrie, can you tell our listeners where to find you online? Yeah. Unapologeticallyenough.com is where you can get a hold of me. And then every social media outlet is either Carrie Severson or the Unapologetic Voice House. Awesome. And we'll put all the links in the show notes for that. And Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to re-listen to this podcast myself, just because I know there are so many little bits that I need to hang on to more. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. And thank you to our listeners for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, stay sparkly.